seconds left. Hardy with six. Hardy on Brown. Hardy with three. With two. Hardy reverse slam is gone. 1.2 left. St. John's 12 with 14 from the field in this second half. Hans again. Also in the ball game. Champagne, you're kidding me! Another three for Julian Champagne. You are now listening to the Eye of the Storm podcast. What's going on, Johnny Nation? Welcome to episode 42 of the Eye of the Storm podcast. My name is David Barov, and prior to last night, St. John's was 13-0 on Bobblehead Night, dating back to 2009. That's right, Johnny Thunderbird, Steve Lavin, Luke Harnaseka, Chris Mullen on Malik Seeley's original and rescheduled giveaway date. Bill Wennington, Jack Kaiser, Felipe Lopez, Mark Jackson, Walter Berry, Mike Anderson, and Mo Hatton all wins. Would St. John's be able to add Billy Schaefer to that list and make it 14-0? The answer, unfortunately, was no. In front of a sold-out Cardiseca Arena crowd for the first time all season, St. John's hung tough with the number 18 team in the country. Down two guards in Andre Curbelo and Rafael Pinzon due to suspension, St. John's would have to look down his bench to see who else could step up. But unfortunately, it was not enough as St. John's would fall 77-66 to Creighton as they would win their ninth game in their last 10, coming off that tough eight-point loss in overtime to Providence. In their first matchup, Creighton beat St. John's by 28 points and dropped 104 on them. So you go into this game and you're already worried. But St. John's hugged tough. And honestly, this game was there for the taking for St. John's. But they never outstretched their arms far enough to grab it. And that has been the storyline many times this year. When it came time to expand on a one-point lead that St. John's fought valiantly to obtain in the second half, they were down by 12 in the second half and came all the way back and took the lead. The lack of discipline that the entire team has possessed and has shown all year took over. Between turnovers and open threes down the stretch, St. John's proved to be a team that did not learn from mistakes, that did not have a system in place to overcome their shortcomings, and did not have the game plan or the coaching or whatever it is that you need to overcome situations or put your foot on the gas. They did not have it. It was an undisciplined team where we saw silly lobs all game, unnecessary chances taken, turnovers, 10 of their 15 came in the second half, This undisciplined team that looks competent in spurts, that can be exciting, that can show you that they have so much talent, simply could not get it done when it mattered most. The story of the game is not that St. John's lost. Coming in as a seven and a half point underdog against a ranked opponent, expecting to win is asking for disappointment. But those expectations do start to shift when things are happening in the game where you're close or you even have a real shot at winning. But you realize in hindsight and throughout the game, that the little mistakes that you keep making, you're going to be a team that never really gets over the hump. Now, getting over the hump, it's silly to even think about that with just three games left in the season. But the main point is that this is the theme of the entire season. There have been so many what-if scenarios and game situations all year that a more disciplined team with more of a semblance of a half-court offense, with more of an identity on defense, where we could have confidently had high hopes. But as the saying goes, 
When somebody shows you their true colors and who they are, you should believe them. And in this case, that someone is St. John's as a team. And it is well past the point of no return. And this is who they are. And this is who they have been. And unfortunately, who they have been has not been good enough. As I mentioned the last few episodes, we would find out before the game that Andre Curbelo would not be playing suspended due to coach's decision. Before this game, Rafael Pinzon, his former Lou High high school teammate, would join him suspended indefinitely for not meeting team standards. And so St. John's would be too short, but you would have the same starters, Posh, Wusu, Store, Stanley, and Soriano, and the shorter bench. Two guards down, Mathis and Keita not playing, not a lot of options. Who steps up? We saw an interesting first half. Omar Stanley was hitting three-pointers. Back-to-back games where he hit threes, he would hit another one later in the game. But overall, it was back and forth in the first half until late where St. John's would get down by 10 points at halftime. St. John's offense was stagnant, not a lot of ball movement or motion from them. And Creighton was getting a lot of good production from their bench. Mason Miller had a really strong game and Sharif Mitchell had a really strong game off the bench for Creighton. Meanwhile, St. John's did have 14 points from David Jones off the bench. But the difference in this game, and I'll get to it shortly, in the first half and in the second half was the three-point line. Creighton, 8 of 19 from three. St. John's only 1 of 4 in the first half. Overall from the floor, they were similar. 14 of 32 for Creighton, 13 of 28 for St. John's. But that three-point line really is the difference. St. John's also was getting killed on the boards in the first half, out-rebounded by two, 22 to 11. 7-0 on the offensive boards. Again, similar to the issues you saw in that Providence game. The rebounding was not up to snuff. And St. John's found themselves down 10 at the break. You've heard me say this again. If you're sitting in the stands, if you're sitting at home, you're sitting there, you're watching the same movie happen over and over again. This team down at the half. This team having to find a way to get back, claw back. You're looking for inspiration from your head coach at halftime. That worked in the non-conference. How many times you have to keep asking and playing the same movie and hearing the same script and hearing the same tape over and over and over again? Where are the changes? Where are the differences? Again, late in the year, season is pretty much over. You got three games left. Why are we still talking about it? Because it's still the same nonsense, same problems, same exact situations over and over again. It's unacceptable. Where do things change? When do they change? You just expect things to be different. You expect an experienced coach like Mike Anderson to change things up. Stop being so stubborn. You really got to let go of the reins. Let other things happen. Find different ways to get your point across. Find different ways to coach different game plans. You have to change it up. It hasn't worked for the majority of the year. Something had to give. This team killed you from three in the first game. They were doing it again in the first half. Why not play a little bit of zone? Why not throw a little bit of different defense in there? I don't know. So again, you're at halftime. You're wondering what you're going to do to change the the mood, the motivation, and how are they going to come out firing? Well, St. John's did. Again, we've seen them play better in second halves. They did play better. St. John's would fight their way back from down 12 early in the second half when Kobe King would hit a layup with 11.53 left to play and take a one-point lead. It was 49-48. to And from that time on, with 11.53 left, St. John's turned the ball over seven times. They missed eight shots. They only made five shots and six points from the line. 
Just not going to cut it. There are moments in games where you want to be a winning team and you have to capitalize on other teams' mistakes, where you have momentum, where you have to capitalize. Under five minutes to play in the second, St. John's was down by one. 58 to 57 and they give up three arthur kaluma triples over the next two and a half minutes and the deficit goes from one to ten and it's curtains you have fans actively counting down till the end of the season you have fans walking out of a sold-out carnesecca arena with three minutes left to go you have big time moments like dylan adaiwusu dunking all over ryan kalkbrenner you're on sports center and it's an afterthought in this game because ultimately it's a blip on the radar of another loss 17 to 4 runs by St. John's in under 9 minutes in the second half are proof that this team has talent, that this team has spark, that they have fight. They will fight back. They have fought back. They did it in the last few games. They did it yesterday. And yet they don't have what it takes to cross the finish line against these top teams to really go over the edge, to put your foot on their necks and take momentum and take the game when they're willing to do it. From 17-28 to 9-54 in the second half, Creighton didn't hit a field goal. And yeah, you use that time to go on that run yourself, but when a team doesn't score for that long of a period of time, you should demolish them. You're going to allow a team as good as Creighton to not score for that long? You need to kill them. They scored two points in that time on two free throws. That was it. And then from 9.54 until the end of the game, they got clutch threes from Sharif Mitchell and potential NBA player Arthur Kaluma. And so the story goes, St. John's unable to capitalize on their opportunity. Here's my quick take on the elephant in the room regarding Andre Curbelo and now Rafael Pinzon being suspended. Andre Curbelo has now missed four games this year, last three and again that Marquette game prior. Now Rafael Pinzon has not met team standards and was suspended indefinitely. Was it because of the Instagram post in which he criticized Division One basketball coaches? Was it a shot at his own coach? Who knows? A lot of speculation. But here's the thing. If you are not a superstar player where you are playing unbelievably well and your team is unbelievably good, then you can't continuously do things to put yourself above the team and continue to bring negative attention to yourself and the team where you are the center of it. No matter how well you play, you should never let yourself be put in that position. You should be more mature than that. As a Division One athlete on a prominent basketball team, you need to be better than that. If it happened once, okay, perhaps you could let it slide. But four times like Andre Curbelo and now Rafael Pinzon, who has already been playing sparsely in two seasons and has had plenty of bright moments, but overall, a three-star prospect who isn't lighting the world on fire, he is not in any position to do this. It simply highlights the continued strife that has been the 2022-2023 season. It is hard to ignore that Curbelo and Pinzon are friends, their relationship goes back many years, perhaps Curbelo has rubbed off on Pinzon, I don't know, but it has been tough to swallow this nonsense, this distraction. You have already had a bad year. You have already had a disappointing year and now you are continuing to add fuel to the fire and giving more people more garbage and nonsense to focus on and continue to pile on what is already a lost year kids got to be better the coaches are holding these kids accountable they're clearly not going to tolerate these kids making themselves the story will we see andre curbelo again will we see rafael pinzon again who knows 
back to the game. Only two Johnnies were in double figures. Joel Soriano, 15 points and eight rebounds, and David Jones had 14 points. Omar Stanley hit two three-pointers in this game after hitting one in the last game, a surprising new wrinkle in his game. A.J. Storr played 30 minutes in this game, but down the stretch, there were key moments where he was out for about five, six minutes when St. John's really needed a bucket in that second half. He only had nine points and four rebounds. A lot of people wondering where in the world he was and why he was on the bench in those moments. Posh Alexander, one of the mystifying questions of the year, where has his offense gone? Another off game, seven points on just one of four shooting. Five of those points came from the free throw line. He had five rebounds, six assists, but five turnovers in 35 minutes. St. John's held Baylor Shireman to one of seven shooting. They held Creighton to under 39% shooting and still lost by 10. If I told you before the game that you would hold Creighton to under 39%, one of the top transfers in the country would go one of seven shooting. Ryan Kalkbrenner would only score 12 points. You'd probably sign up for that in a heartbeat. You would expect a win, but not St. John's. And that's the difference because you are unable to take the win when they are not playing their best and they are trying to give you so many opportunities to take it. The three-point line again. Creighton took 33 three-pointers. They made 13. Many of them when they mattered most, like I mentioned, Arthur Kaluma in the second half. St. John's made four of their 10 attempts. With Creighton making 24 field goals and St. John's making 25, that three-point line was the difference. As three games remain on the regular season at Georgetown on February 22nd, Connecticut at Madison Square Garden and wrapping up the season on March 4th on the road, at Marquette. St. John's now 16 and 12 on the year, 6 and 11 in the Big East. Creighton improves to 18 and 9, 12 and 4 in the Big East. Joel Soriano pulled down his 500th rebound at St. John's, becoming just the ninth player in program history to reach the milestone as his amazing season continues. But again, all for naught as St. John's would lose the game. A frustrating season is winding down. We have been there together all the way. We'll be here for another three games and whatever happens in the Big East tournament. I'm right there with you in lockstep. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining me. I know it hasn't been easy, but I appreciate each and every one of you listening. We'll see what happens the rest of the way. See you next time. You've been listening to the Eye on the Storm podcast. Go Johnnies! Go Johnnies!